step on up, sit down, twist off that bottle top, or crack open that can. And welcome to Porch Matters. This is Terry Cagle coming to you from my back porch. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. The name of this show is Authentic. On Porch Matters, our saying is this. Big issues or just a friendly conversation. No topic is off limits. We take pride in being able to talk about anything with each other in an open discussion. Open discussion is one of the only ways to learn. Your perspective could be changed. You could change the perspective of others. Friends and family, welcome to another episode of Porch Matters. I'm glad you're here. It is currently 11.48 p.m. on a Sunday night. I'm sorry this is coming out late. Normally I like to have this thing done between 9 and 10 o'clock, but a little peek behind the fourth wall. This is actually my fourth attempt at doing this opening. <laughs> For whatever reason, the other three attempts just dis- just didn't sound good to me. But that being said, I welcome you to the Porch Matters Studios here in Dilworth, Alabama, which happens to be my backyard. It is currently 41 degrees, and no, I'm not trying to be James Spann, but, and I've been going on and on about the weather the last few episodes, but this weather is crazy. Friday couldn't have been any better if you would have wrote it and planned it in a TV show on a script. Couldn't have been better. It was around 70 degrees. I wore shorts to work. I think I might have blinded somebody along the way with my white legs. If I did, I apologize. And then all of a sudden, Saturday rolled around and it was snowing. There was snow on the ground. I had to work Saturday. Uh, for those of you that may be new to the show, this may be your first time here. Yes, I am literally sitting on my back porch right now. The name of this show is Authentic, as I said in the open. And I drive a truck for a living. This is this is my hobby. Hopefully here pretty soon we can really make a good go out of this. But right now, this is a hobby that I have. I've been doing this for almost two years now. And when people ask me why I do a podcast, I say I really enjoy it, and it's a cheaper hobby than golf. I went to work Saturday. I had to go up to... Fayetteville, Tennessee. I, I drove up and sat on the dock for a couple hours and got back. I was able to hurry home and grab a shower and change clothes and everything and meet Stacy and Xander over at the Legacy Arena, which people my age know it as the Birmingham Jefferson Civic Center over in Birmingham, Alabama, to go to Winter Jam. What is Winter Jam? Well, it's it's a Christian event where Christian artists come together and they put on a big festival-type concert. Tim Tebow happened to be the guest speaker. He did really well in that environment and on that stage. To me, he did a whole lot better in that environment than he ever did on the TV screen doing football analysis, but that's just my opinion. In all seriousness, he, he did really well, and he said something that really stuck with me to the point where I'm probably going to do an episode just strictly on that. He brought up what is more important, success or significance. I'm just going to leave you with that little bit of a cliffhanger again. I want to do an episode on that. Just sit on the porch and talk to you about it a little bit. 
it was a really good event, and I was really happy to go with Stacy and Xander. They invited me to come up, and it was great. The Porch Matters food review for this episode. I went to Los Rancheros this afternoon. It happens to be my favorite Mexican food restaurant. It's right there in Dora, Alabama, Summerton, Dora. For those of you that are local, you understand the difference. If not, if you're not local, 78 Highway splits Summerton and Dora, but at the same time, it don't. Summerton has part of the area that's on one side of the road, and it's just kind of a kind of a mixture of the two, so I'd usually just say Summerton and Dora. Went over there with my mother, and we sat down. The staff there is always really nice, really courteous. Went in, sat down, ordered a unsweet tea to drink. Yeah, I know. What are you doing in the South drinking unsweet tea? Well, the doctor told me a couple of years ago that I was too sweet and I needed to cut out on my sugar. So I did that and I've actually stuck with that. So don't judge me too hard, okay? Sat down and ordered my unsweet tea and mom ended up ordering Alexander's tacos. And what that is, and this comes straight from the menu... A choice of tender strips of marinated beef or chicken char-grilled, rolled in flour tortillas, covered in cheese sauce. Served with rice, beans, guacamole, sour cream, and pico de gallo. It's one of her favorite things to get there. I ordered the churri queso dip, which is cheese melted with Mexican sausage, served with pico de gallo and flour tortillas. I also ordered a a beef brisket quesadilla, with three hard shell tacos. I've been on a huge brisket kick lately, and this summer, whenever it warms up, I plan on breaking out the grill and actually trying to cook a beef brisket. From what I hear, it takes about 16 hours to do. It ought to be interesting. Really looking forward to giving that a shot. I love to grill. I usually like to smoke some pork shoulders and do some barbecue, chicken, whole nine yards. But I've never tried a brisket before. Really looking forward to giving that a shot. What I like to do whenever I go there, I'll order the chori queso dip and I'll sit there and eat on it with some chips until my food shows up. And then I'll end up pouring the chori queso dip on everything. The staff is always really awesome, as I mentioned. Food's always great. It's my favorite place to eat Mexican food. If you happen to be in the area, stop in. Give them a little bit of support, enjoy you some real good food, and tell them you heard about them on Porch Matters. Los Rancheros is absolutely hashtag fatboy approved. On this episode, I was able to sit down and have a conversation with Charlie Waits. Charlie is a lawyer that lives in Jasper, Alabama, and he is going to be on the ballot to be representative for Alabama House District 13. Charlie is a man that seems very sincere when he says he sees a problem here in Walker County and wants to do what he can to try and fix it. This episode gives you the opportunity to hear what he has to say about some issues in Walker County if you live here locally. If you are new to the show, I worked in Walker County for 10 years as a corrections officer. Local politics has always been very important in my family. While I worked at Walker County, I paid close attention because it... Local politics always affected my job. 
I encourage all of you listening to my voice, no matter where you are, to pay close attention to local politics. A lot of times, people will always pay attention to the federal level politics and either not do any research or just flat out ignore local politics. Local politics is where your vote matters the most. I'm a big believer that we need to pay attention to local politicians and be aware of what's going on. Make sure the people elected to these offices have our best interest in mind. If they don't, we have the power to replace them with someone else. I really appreciate Charlie inviting me into his home and sitting down and having a conversation with me. Without further ado, let's get started. Charlie Waits, welcome to the show. I can't say porch because we're sitting in your living room. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Let's just jump right on into it and tell the folks a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Well, I'm originally from Anniston, Alabama. Hadn't been in Anniston in years, though. Dad was in the Army. We traveled a lot when I was little. Then after the Army, he worked for the government. My parents are up in Huntsville right now. That's where I went to high school. But uh, after high school, went to uh, college in Nashville for four years. Then I lived in Birmingham when I was in law school. After Birmingham, moved to Decatur. That's where, uh, when I was first married, my my ex-wife at the time, or well, then wife at the time, she got a job for a dentist, and then she's from here in Jasper, and she had an opportunity to come back to Jasper, so that's how I ended up here. And uh, we have a, at the time we started the divorce, my son was three months old, so I stayed in Jasper to be close to him. What's ironic is I've lived in Jasper now longer than I've lived anywhere else in my life, and so... Place kind of grows on you a little bit, don't it? Well, I've learned uh, where your where your son is is where your home is. Absolutely. So, what caused you to want to be a lawyer? Well, when I was little, Dad told us told me and my brother, you know, it's like, son, don't go in the military; it's a hard life. Either be a lawyer or a doctor. He preached that to us every week. Well, I'm a lawyer, and my brother's a doctor. <laughs> So evidently we hit the we hit the target dad put up for us. My little journey's very similar. My dad was an owner operator and he did everything that he could possibly think of to try and keep me out of the truck. First trip that I ever made, I called him whenever I hit I twenty two out here and put it and put it in high gear. And I said, So this is what this feels like, huh? He just went <sighs> I heard it in his voice. <laughs> yeah, son, that's what this is about. So they try and try and try, but let's face facts. A boy always wants to be just like his daddy. Well, Dad Dad did a lot of preaching, and uh, actually he still works for the Corps of Engineers up in, up in Huntsville. He retired the first time, and he had over a, a million frequent flyer miles because he did a lot around the country, and in the late 90s, they were going over to Russia a lot because um, Russia was broke at the time, and we were building stuff for them to help destroy their chemical weapons. And But then I guess Dad was home for about a year, and Mom told him, you got to go back to back to work because you're driving <laughs> me crazy. <laughs> so he went back. Hopefully Russia goes broke here the next two or three days so they'll leave Ukraine alone. Well, unfortunately, 
you know, China and Russia, they share a border. So China's going to support Russia, I believe. They're going to support them more. You know, China's looking at Russia because China wants Taiwan back. And China's taking their cues from Russia and seeing how the other countries treat Russia. Right. You know, it's a numbers game. Ukraine can't stop Russia. You know, I applaud the Ukrainians because they're fighting hard. They're protecting home. But Russia has 120, 130 million people. Ukraine has 40 million. So the the Russian army will eventually overwhelm the Ukraine unless other countries commit more than more than money, more than bullets. It's going to take some troops from other countries. But I, I doubt other countries are probably going to do that because then it makes a real conflict, a cold conflict, into a hot conflict between those countries and Russia. Meanwhile, while they're in the middle of doing that, we're going to end up paying five dollars a gallon in gas before the Fourth of July. I know you got to choose whether you buy your gas or whether you buy your bacon, but you can't buy both. <laughs> you run out of gas on the way to get the bacon, and, <laughs> and you're out of luck both ways. Eh, well, I guess we'll just have to go buy an electric car. Well, electric cars—they're good in theory, but we just don't have the the battery power to. To exist like we need to. We don't have the battery power. We don't have the power grid system. The infrastructure, no. No, so. it's not there. And yeah. What, what did he say the other night? He was going to put in 50,000 charging stations. There's th- over 300 million cars. Open the pipeline <laughs> back up. We, have, we need to work and be energy independent. We don't need to be dependent on a pipeline on another continent. We have enough here. If we would only use it. Sure, ideally, we'd like to be green um, for the environment, but we can't. There's no magic wand. We can't all of a sudden be green. I like. I can't all of a sudden lose 40 pounds overnight. I have to try, and it takes a long time. While you're trying to be green or, or enhance your technology, you've still got to use what you got. You got to use coal. You got to use gas. You got to get you to that point where you're able to do it. To to not use it is foolish. Brother, if you can figure out how to lose forty pounds overnight, let this fat boy know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The body the body's not made that way, and uh, if you look at the earth, it's not made that way. No, it's not. It takes a while to grow a tree. It takes a while to grow a tomato. Um, you got to respect the process. Well, here's the one thing that a lot of them are probably not even thinking about whenever they're talking about going green. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Going green, ideal, would be great. At the same time, they're wanting to run off of electricity. Well, what produces electricity? Coal. Coal. And on top of that, you're never going to fully get away from oil. Oil is here to stay. Why? What does it take? It takes about somewhere in the neighborhood of four to eight gallons of oil per tire on a car. There's petroleum products in the paint. There's petroleum products in the plastic that's in the car. Right. There's petroleum products in some way, shape, form, or fashion in every single aspect of a car. The food we eat, to a degree, has some has some type of... Well, farmers tout ethanol. But then, think about all the diesel that the farmers have to use to grow that corn to get that ethanol. So... There's a wash on the on the I guess the imprint. I mean, the only way you can go green really 
is if you go back to living like we did, like people did in the 16 or 1700s. And let's face it, we're just not going to do that. That's not going to happen. So we have to balance things out. Sure, if we were smart enough beings, we could have all the power we need and harness it from light and the sun. But we're just not there. No. I mean, we're not there yet, so we have to use what we can, we what can, we have. We can harness it good, we just can't store it. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Fossil fuels, I mean, they're, they've been there a long time, but they, uh, they provide a lot of energy. And we're human, and we're trying to be gods, and we're just, we're not meant to be God. No, we're not. You know, only God's God, and, and he... Uh, He's made our planet, and he's given us things to use. We just need to use them responsibly. You know, they've got the the scrubbers in the, the coal stacks that uh, make the discharge from the stacks virtually clean. I mean, it doesn't, you don't stop using coal. You just clean. You clean it up. You, you make a car as clean as possible, a gasoline engine as clean as possible. You know, you clean up after yourself with the technology. We, we just got to keep... I mean, gas is, gas needs to be here to stay. We can't be like California. If you be like California, you're gonna you're gonna have a bad end. I agree. I mean, Californians are moving here. I talked to somebody on the campaign trail last week. They're in from California. I was like, "Well, I'm glad you're here, but I hope you didn't even bring your California politics with you, because you know if you're you're leaving to get rid of or get away from that." But if you if you don't change your heart and you change your home, your new home, into what you had, you're just going to have another failure. I agree. Now, we brought up politics, and one of the reasons why we're here, not only is Mr. Waits a very good conversation, but he is also in the running for the Alabama House of Representatives District 13. Connie Rowe resigned from the office in January of 2022, and that left a vacancy, and there's fixing to be an election and everything to decide who takes it, who takes her place. That's right. Now the primary is May 24th, so just a little while away. I've been campaigning since late September. Uh, there are other four other candidates in the race. You know, you've got a county commissioner, District One. You've got a retired contractor. You've got a Jasper police officer. You've got a a used car dealer, and you've got me, I'm a lawyer. Um, the other guys, I don't really know them. I've heard they're good guys. But I guess to distinguish myself, I would rely on my legal experience. You know, I've lived and I've breathed the law the last 17 years. The law's not easy. It's not like TV. Money doesn't fall from the sky. It's a, it's a slow forging. It's a slow trial. You know, it's been hellish at times. But I can do things now that I couldn't do before. The other guys haven't been through that same 17 years. So to put it bluntly, they're 17 years behind. I'm not trying to mean that in an arrogant way. It's just a matter of fact. Why I want to run for this office, you know, I've got a a 13-year-old son. I've also got a 12-year-old son. I've got two older stepsons who were both young adults. But the 12 and the 13-year-old... They concern me the most because we can all see that the country's broken. The country's divided 50-50 in the middle. You know, Alabama's not in the best shape. And if we don't fight to fix it really hard, it's going to get more broken. And that means it's going to come to my sons and their generation even heavier. I want to at least be able to tell my boys, look, I've been fighting. I've been fighting in the legislature. You know, when they get old enough, I'll tell them, stand up with me. Stand up for the flag and for freedom and everything under attack. 
When I get too old, I'll tell them, here, here's the baton. Keep on fighting. You know, we have a lot to be thankful for in the United States, and we're still the greatest country, but there are forces that want to tear us down, and if we don't stand up, we're going to be complicit on our own destruction. I can't handle that. You know, we talked about Aniston earlier. My granddaddy, he fought in World War II. He fought on Okinawa. Okinawa was bloody. Some of his best friends were killed next to him. He brought back a Japanese officer samurai sword that we still have that he gave me when I was a little boy. If we lose America, then that means what Granddaddy did and those men that died next to him, then that means what they did is for nothing. And I can't handle that. You know, Granddaddy was a sweet man. He came back home and he raised a family. He didn't didn't have a college education. He drove a city bus for a time. He worked as a cook at the hospital. He worked on Fort McClellan. But he raised a family. And um, my dad's actually the first one to have a college degree. But those things are at risk now. So that's why I want to run. That's why I'm wading into these waters. If the country was fine, if we were in good shape, I wouldn't run for political office. I'd find me 10 acres. I'd have a small fish pond, maybe some chickens and tomatoes and peppers. But, uh, you know, it's kind of like... I don't want to get in a fight with another man, but if a burglar's coming into my home and threatening my kid and my wife, then I'll fight. That's where we're at in the United States. They're in our home, and we've got to fight. I agree wholeheartedly. We definitely need to make some changes, and a lot of people always focus on the federal level on politics. Everybody also wants to talk about how, well, my vote don't matter, this, that, and the other. A lot of people absolutely ignore the one facet of politics that they should be paying attention to very closely. That would be on the local level and the state level because that's where a lot of your big change and everything comes from for all of those people who always want to talk about change and how we need change. Yes, but you start on the local level and then you go up. All right, if you can't do little things good, you won't ever get to the big things. Now, and, and to your statement a second ago, a lot of people feel like their vote doesn't matter. To those people, I would say it matters. It matters so much. Voting is the great equalizer. You know, I've been campaigning door-to-door. I've seen giant mansions in Walker County. I've seen little tiny homes. But regardless, if it's a little tiny home or a mansion... That person who lives there, a a person who lives in the shacks, vote counts as much as the man who lives in the mansion. It's a great equalizer. We're equal in the voting booth. So it it doesn't matter. We need to vote. We need to give a voice to what we believe in. You know, local politics, they're about home. And everybody cares about home. And if we get home right, we can expand outward. We can, If we can know how to help our home, then we can help our state. And if we get our state in good shape, then we can help our country. You know, we are, we have been looking for a federal, you know, national government, federal government down. Oh, help us states, but it needs to be the other way around. We need to take care of ourselves and get the state and the small things right. And then the big things will follow. How do we do it, Charlie? One day at a time. I mean, it's nothing fancy. There's no magic solution. But it's in 
It's in the classroom. It's getting rid of common core math. You know, common core math is dumbing our kids down. It's making our, our sons and daughters hate math. And math is necessary um, on so many levels. You need to be able to add and subtract to make sure you're not losing money in Burger King. You need to have a just a working, uh, you know, a, a working knowledge of math if you're building your deck. You need to be able to make change for your first job, make change to customers if the computer system goes down. You know, before we got on this podcast. The computer went down, so we didn't know if we were going to get on this podcast. But hallelujah, sometimes technology cooperates. But sometimes it doesn't. And if we don't have those skills, then we're lost. So I would say to you have to, again, back to the little things. You know, teach children in the right, right way. Teach basics like the curse, cursive. Um, bring back that into school. If you don't know cursive, you can't read the Declaration of Independence. We have to... Make children read more. Actually put books in their hands and not a computer screen. It's bad on the eyes to be on the computer all the time. But I don't have that same intensity when I'm reading a book. Plus, when I read a book, I internalize things more deeply. Children, we're over. We're, we're fighting for children's souls right now. Children are the battleground of America. Because, you know, the leftists, the people that want to destroy America can't get me. I'm anchored. I think my son's anchored. You know, I've taught him a lot about Abraham Lincoln and about our history. And I think he's... But other children who aren't anchored can be swayed. If we don't pass America, the idea of America, on to our children, then America dies. If it gets passed on, then we continue on. We have to teach hard work. We have to teach that sometimes the things we need to do is not fun. But we have to take the time. We have to learn how to be still. We have to learn to take the time to rake a yard, to do little things, to have chores, to bring back, you know, an allowance and chores in the home. Hard work's good. Cutting grass is good. Um, there are so many little things that we've lost that if we bring back, it will help our kids. We need to not be so willing to get divorces. Uh, men and women need to fight for each other. They need to work things out. They don't need to treat each other like a pair of shoes that they can take off. Children see this. So they see the broken home and they're not anchored. But if they, if they have two parents who are willing to fight for each other and fight for them, then you have more stable kids. So how do we fix it? There's a that's a a thousandfold answer, but we have to start with our own homes. How can I go to Montgomery or go to Washington with an idea of how to fix the country if I can't even keep my own household together? And honestly, I've learned the hard way. I am divorced. My ex-wife and I we divorced started the divorce when my son was three months old, and. We're at peace now, but it's ideal to be together, even you know when your son is six, and he's never known you to be in the home because you were separated and divorced before he would have a memory, but at six years old, when your son asks you or says to you, "Daddy, I wish you and Mama hadn't got a divorce because I want to see you every day." And you're like, "I know, buddy, I know, and you just do the best you can um. It's it's just really, really tough. 
But uh, my wife, I'm remarried. My wife and I now, I, we, I joke with her, and I say we're each other's sandpaper. Because she's smoothing my rough edges, and I'm smoothing hers. But we've made a commitment that no matter what happens, divorce is not an option. We're, we're with each other to the end. I think that that teaches a good example to her, to our sons, you know, that, that you have to stick with things, that you can't quit, that you have to work things out. And um, I think we've lost a lot of that in the country. Well, you mentioned some stuff about education a minute ago, about bringing back cursive writing and teaching math and getting rid of the common core. I have a friend of mine. We've been friends for 20-some-odd years. She happens to work in the education field, and she flat out says that the system is just terrible. How can you and your office, if you were successful, go in and possibly start the process of redoing everything? I'll speak to the cursive. I think there's actually been legislation passed to bring cursive back into schools. So I'm encouraged to that, but we're about that, but we're going to have to watch that to make sure it happens. I know teachers are discouraged now. It's almost like they've been handcuffed for for years, and they're worried about funding. They're worried about making sure they have enough students there. You know, the magical part of the day is eleven o'clock, where they get the funding for that student being there. I believe it's eleven o'clock. But teachers. You know, in a lot of ways, they can't just teach. They can't teach the fundamentals they need to. They can't target students um, because not all children are the same. Not all children learn at the same speeds. So I think we need to give teachers some flexibility to teach what they see and some trust with what they see. I know a teacher, being a teacher is a very, very hard job. But I think it's one of the most important jobs, if not the most important job, because you're teaching children the confidence and the skills that they need or that should translate later. We, The more educated our population is, the harder we are to take over, the more our eyes are open. I mean, it's almost like the, the powers that be have wanted to dumb our education down because a less informed, dumber population is easier to control. I, I didn't have a fancy education. I went to a small Christian school from, you know, third grade to seventh grade, and then I went to a rural public high school. But that third grade to seventh grade foundation, our, our Christian school teachers, they hammered reading. They hammered math. They hammered reading comprehension and language and basics. And if we get back to basics and you have a good foundation, you can build anything on that good foundation. You can build calculus. You can build poetry. You can build, um, uh, you know, deeper study of history. You can build, you know, if you uh, have an interest in technical things, you can, you can go into chemistry. Um, if you want to be in automotive I guess mechanic, you can go to the tech center and and do that. But if you got the basics, you can you can go past that. But if you don't have the basics, if you can't read well, if you can't do basic math, if you can't understand what you're what you're seeing and doing, then you'll never get back get to the complex stuff that's required later. 
Yeah. I'm just a simple truck driver and podcast host. Well, you're doing better than me because I, I, I don't uh, I wouldn't know how to do a podcast. I wouldn't know how to set this up. You know, I, I, I'm a writer. I, I write every day, but sometimes I go to back to my notepad and pen. Me and technology, we have an uneasy piece. I can do it well enough to, to survive. There's a time and a place for the technology and everything else. But the one thing about the education system, I agree wholeheartedly with you. We do need to get back to basics as far as learning how to write cursive and everything. A lot of them will tell you that, well, we don't use it anymore. All we do is a tablet. And I don't think that's right. And on top of that, how old are you? I'm 43. Okay, you're three years older than me. (laughs) Our generation was hammered. Go to college, go to college, mm-hmm. go to college. And I'm all about college, but there's a lot of people that are in our generation that, we're, that really and truly, well, everybody's not supposed to go to college. No, everybody's not. And whenever you go through high school and everything and all of these advanced diplomas and whatnot, prepping to go to college the way they've got it set up, how often have you used calculus i i don't use calculus um and i would say that you know just like everything college and uh, student loans have become an industry we all know that they've been an industry and some of these people who've gone to college and they get degrees that are worthless sociology or or basket weaving or whatever you want to and and not that sociology is not a good field i don't want to offend any sociologists but um, there's limited positions, and sometimes the degrees haven't translated into a good income. No. Because if you've got somebody with $120,000 in student loan debt, and they come out and they can only get a $30,000 job, that's a degree that has not prepared somebody for the real world. And if I can go and become a mechanic, start off in a tech center, have some kind of program where... Um, a high school student is in a in a mechanic program being trained for, say, Mercedes or uh, one of the diesel uh, Freightliner um, or uh, one of the other trucking companies and can immediately after high school have a good mechanic job, then that's what we need. Not everybody, we're not all the same. You know, it takes doctors it takes teachers. It takes truck drivers. I mean, Lord, look at the power of truck drivers. We've And Canadians are generally peaceful people. You have to do a lot to rile a Canadian up. And the Canadian truck drivers have been standing up for freedom in this lunacy that we've been, that's been thrust down our throats for a long time. You know, we, we have to, I mean, we just have to look at it from an approach that Everybody has a strength, and we've got to have a system where we identify everybody's aptitude and get them where they need to be. Somebody who's good with words and good at writing, well, sure, get them on an English track. But somebody who doesn't have, doesn't like writing, doesn't like reading, but is is great from a mechanical sense, well, get them in an engineering track. Or somebody who's building all day long, building, designing things, or an artist. Let's find that track and get that to them because when I'm when I'm working on something that I don't have a talent for or that I have a desire for, I can do a little bit of it and feel exhausted. 
But when I'm doing something that's in my wheelhouse that God made me for, I can do hours of it and be rejuvenated because that's what I'm made to do. We have to do better at finding what our kids are made to do and what they've given, been given God-given talent for and encourage that. And I don't think sometimes the schools do the best in that. But we need to we need to help identify that and have have avenues for all professions. It's almost like schools have turned into college factories, which is kind of where I was going with that. Not everybody is meant to go to college. There's never really been a true emphasis on trade schools. If you'll notice, a lot of your trade schools seem to be going away or they're not really funded that well. We need mechanics like you were talking mm-hmm. about. We need HVAC workers. Absolutely. We need more electricians. We need more plumbers. We need to be able to build things. We don't build anything anymore in this country. If you think about it. Why? The labor force isn't there. A lot of people will go and go to co- go to college like you were talking about. I went for two years. Well, a year and one semester. I'll be honest with you. My degree was going to be liberal arts. I wanted to be a history teacher and a football coach. But that's a story for another day. If I couldn't have been a teacher or a football coach, that degree would have been worthless. Right. I would have wasted my money. I would have wasted my parents' money who were robbing Peter to pay Paul to help me pay for this. You see what I'm saying? I do. Let me tell you a story that I encountered in court. We were in... In court, it's probably been a year, and it was it dealt with a custody issue, and there was a docket, and there were a bunch of uh, lawyers there, and this man, he had tattoos all down his arms. Uh, you know, he was in shape. He had a a shaved head, and and he just looked generally generally tough, like you you didn't need to mess with him. Right. But he was there to come get custody of his children because the mother had had just descended into drugs. And he told the judge, ask him what his income was. And he said something like a hundred, well, a little bit more than 150000 And I perk up and I see all the other lawyers perk up because 150000 in Jasper Walker County for a lawyer, that's good income. I mean... And you usually have to be doing it for years to get to that level. But the judge asked, well, what do you do, sir? And he was an electrician up in Kentucky. And judge even spoke up. Judge said, hey, lawyers, y'all need to look at this. Y'all got student loans, and this man is doing really well. And, And so he was able to take his four children back to Kentucky, and he had that security of that great job. And it even gave him enough freedom where he was able to come to court when he needed to to rescue his children from a bad situation. And that's a man who doesn't have student loan debt. That's a man who's able to get everything he needs for his children. That's a man who's able to have enough vehicles for his household and not have to worry. And he hadn't had a day of college in his life. So college is for some but it's not for all. I would do things differently probably if I could do it over again. I wouldn't have the student loan debt that I have now <laughs> if I could do it over again. But 
it's there. I look at it as an investment. Um, right. But we do. We don't need to. We don't need to mortgage these kids' future by putting them on a path that will I- I- incur a lot of debt for them, and them not be able to get a job. Or you, they could get a job, work a few years, and they could always go back to college for something else if they identified something else. But if you teach somebody a skill, like I love Micro, like Micro from from the Dirty Jobs, he speaks sense every time he talks. You know, why why are we waiting late? Why are we waiting until a child is 18 before we get them on a path? You can tell when children are 12, 13, 14, what they're gravitating toward. And you can help teach them the building blocks or the foundation of a trade, even probably teach them a trade in high school, and then they have something to market in addition to going to college if they wanted to. You know, whether it be a plumber, a mechanic... Heating and air conditioning. Heating and air conditioning. Well, Cody, if you're listening to this, hey, buddy. He, he's a fantastic guy who works on heating and air conditioners. Mm-hmm. He told me about a, uh, I think, train. I think that was who it was. I had a posting for a job to be an apprentice. Mm-hmm. Started out at like $26 an hour. I mean, that's good money right out of high school. And that's good money when you don't have a lot of the... You know, debt that, you know, middle age brings. You know, a uh, a 18-year-old making 26 an hour coming out of school as an apprentice, you probably don't have a wife and kids. And that $26 over time is only going to increase the more your skills increase. Absolutely. So. We talked a little bit about education. This district has got some incredibly crappy roads. No. If you were to hit the right one, you could probably lose the front end of your car. There are some roads that are in this area that are washed away, and they hadn't even got any good tar and gravel on it, and the roadbed's washed away. What could your office do to help get the roads back in the shape that they need to be in? Well, and I'll just be as honest as I can be. There's nothing directly that a legislature or the a legislator can do about the roads. We can go to the legislative drawing table and, you know, increase taxes to go for the roads. But that's not a good option because we don't need more taxes. You know, the gas tax that was passed is supposed to be for the roads, and I think there has been some slow improvement, but it doesn't seem like it's happening fast enough. Um, the county commissioners, for any county road, the commissioners are over that. For problem areas, people should be flooding or contacting their commissioners on a on a regular basis. The squeaky link gets the oil, that old saying. You know, and there's even a parable in the Bible where there's this old widow woman and there's this judge who didn't feel fear God or man. But the old widow woman kept on going to that judge and that judge said to himself, if I don't get this done, then this woman's going to wear me out. And that judge avenged that woman. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to be that way with our county commissioners in the roads. We're going to have to go to the problem area so much. And if people, if I, if I am elected and people have problem areas, they can certainly send those pictures of the problem areas and the address of where the, where the road problems are. And I'll reach out to the commissioner and let them know that I know about that. 
but we're going to have to do that because the commissioners, they have direct responsibility. There's also, I believe, one time a year you can focus on target areas and getting some, some additional funding that the commissioners have have access to for emergencies or things like that. But we're going to need to progress, and progress is at a, at a good clip of fixing the roads. Now, there's always money somewhere. There's always grants you can apply to get. There's always there's there's direct power. There's soft power, and any soft power that the legislative office that I'm I'm running for House District 13 would have, certainly I would use it to try to get the commissioners to fix the roads. Now, if it's in a city. The city's responsible for it. If it's in the Jasper city limits, city's got to handle that. But if it's a state road, if it's out in the county, then one of our four um, county commissioners would need to handle it. And we just need to, I guess, work together to stay on top of the roads. Any any funding I could get additionally for the roads, I would do without increasing taxes. But that's going to be some... A lot of praying and a lot of thinking on my part and a lot of learning along the way because I don't have any magic answers right now. But the roads are everybody. The roads are on everybody's minds. Lord, if my truck was a person, it would tell me, Charlie, I hate you. Don't take me down that road again. <laughs> I mean, one day I felt like I'd been in a in a washing machine. In case the people that are listening to this don't know, Alabama District 13 covers parts of two counties. It covers Walker County and Blount County. Well, actually, that's not accurate anymore. That's that's the old district lines. Okay. They redrew the lines last October, and all of District 13 is in Walker County now. Really? It is. Um, it goes north up to the Winston County line. It gets Nauvoo, and it goes a little bit west of Nauvoo. Eldridge is not in it. All of Saragossa, all of Manchester is in it. Basically... Everything north and east of I-22 is in it. There's a place below Jasper where it dips below 22. It doesn't quite get to Townley, but it gets close. All of Cordova is in District 13. All of Dora is in it. Summerton is not. Uh, all of Empire is in it. All the way to the Cullman County line of 69 is in it. All of Curry is in it. Oakland's not in District 13. It's in 14. Parish is in District 14. Carbon Hills in District 14. Okay. I didn't know that. I was going by bad information. Thank you for correcting that. But one thing that I was wanting to get to is it seems like in this area, any industry that comes into this into this area, it always comes to Jasper. And I'm not knocking that per se, but at the same time, You've got areas like Dora, like you mentioned. You've got Cordova. You've got other cities and towns in this area that could really use some industry. Yeah, um, they could use the industry. They could use the tax revenue. Um, we certainly are not lacking in land in Walker County. No. Um, Cordova, you know, Cordova's had problems ever since the tornadoes came through. Yes. We all know about... You know, the downtown still hadn't been rebuilt. You got the Piggly Wiggly down there, and you got the new uh, government buildings. But I want to say there's probably only eight businesses that pay sales tax revenue in Cordova. So Cordova needs help. Cordova needs help raising money. 
increasing their tax base. Um, I know that there is uh, an area of Cordova that's really close to I-22. I think they're in the process of annexing uh, one parcel of land that will give them access to 22, and then they'll be able to put in a sewer and create an exit, and that will help with some revenue there. But, you know, if with an exit with a gas station or another business, if we could get, say, a car plant, and you could have a car plant anywhere in the county, but if you had a car plant somewhere um, between Cordova and, and Jasper or I mean, just somewhere along I-22, it would benefit everything. But Cordova needs help. Um, the uh, the other smaller towns in, in Walker County need help. I mean, we need to... It seems like there's a, a competition between Jasper and the county. And we're all Walker County. We all need better jobs. We all need tax revenue. You know, Dora needs help. Summerton needs help. The Empire area needs help. Sipsy needs help. Piney Woods needs help. Um, Jasper seems like most of the money goes here, but everywhere needs a fair benefit. And everywhere there are actually over on on the corridor when you there's a big um, gas station over there now, and you go north and you, you hit Nauvoo eventually. There's eight. I want to say Drummond has 800 acres that could be turned into an industrial park over there. The state recently got lighting for that over there. So that's something that could be developed. Um, you wouldn't happen to be talking about the rolling tea, would you? I think so. I think that's the one I'm talking about. Okay. I don't know about I know it by sight. Uh, I don't know it by, by name or I can't remember the name. I just I stopped in there one day and there's a big inside and it looks like you could really make that, that truck stop nice. But 800 acres is a lot. You could put a lot over there. You could, we're, we're a corridor between Memphis and Birmingham. Mm-hmm. We should be a natural distribution center of some kind. You know, we could give tax breaks to different co- corporations. We could have um, good-paying jobs. People who have good-paying jobs locally spend that money locally. And it drives the economy. I agree wholeheartedly. But answer me this. Uh, I don't know this to be true. I've always heard this. Isn't part of the county commission's job is to go out and help try to find some of this industry? I, I Honestly, I don't know the answer to that question. I know there's the Walker County Industrial Development Board and the, uh, the city industrial development board. And they try to cultivate... Um, they try to go out and lure industry here, for lack of a better way to put it. But any kind of government position, whether you're a legislator, whether you're a county commissioner, even if that's not in your direct job description, that's in your job description. You should be trying to get those things for your district, for your county, because it all comes back to money. It all comes back to funding, you know. The lunches in the high school are not so great. Well, we need more money to buy those lunches. My son's complained about the poor quality of the food. Some people on the campaign trail have said, I can't believe they're feeding our children this. Goes back to money. Teachers being able to teach and having enough qualified teachers goes back to money. A gas, the roads, 
You know, why aren't we fixing the roads at a faster clip? Because we don't have enough money to fix the roads at a faster clip. We can't fix everywhere, so we have to triage. So it all boils down to money. And our commissioners know this. Our politicians know this. Everybody knows this. And if we can bring more money to our county in the form of industry and jobs, then we should all be doing it. And if you have that ability with that with that office, then you should be reaching out and making all your connections geared toward that. Um, sometimes these companies have to be asked, but and they have to be asked dozens and dozens and dozens of times and given the idea. But it only takes one time for that idea to take root and take hold, and then you've got the business here. You know, I, I want to say the where the Love's truck stop is out there off industrial. The property owner had to go to Love's, I think, seven or eight times, and they turned her down all the times except the last one. And then the last time, well, we have, we see what Love's is today. We see Carl Cannon out there today. But, I mean, Love's is driving a lot of things out there. Love's is busy. Love's has created jobs. But we need to do it on a bigger scale. We need to have some heavy industry that's anchored here. And plus, that'll help um, with the coal jobs that we're still steadily losing. Me and you have talked about this before, I think right there where Love's is all the way around to the next exit where 269 goes down. There needs to be something there. Jasper in particular has the opportunity in the next 10 or 20 years to possibly look like Gardendale or Fultondale does as long as there's enough forward-thinking people that gets in office and is able to do the right things to make that type of thing happen. But, Charlie, I really do appreciate your time. I really appreciate you letting me come into your house and letting me have a talk with you. Well, truth be told, I mean, I've been been nervous about this all day. And I guess when I get nervous, maybe I ramble a little bit sometimes or get off topic. Um, There's so many things to do. There's so many things for us as a community, us as a county, to get done. There's seemingly like there's not enough of us to do it, but we can't quit. Part of the reason I want to go to the legislature is because I'm tired of business as usual. I'm tired of see the same things either stay the same or get worse. If we want to take care of our homes, we have to fight for our homes. And I guess I'm in fighting mode. I'm not promising perfection. I'm not promising that I'll always get it right the first time. But I'm promising that I'll never quit. I'll I'll never quit. We can't quit. The only time we can quit is when Jesus says, okay, it's time to come home. That's the quitting day. That's the quitting day when you put off this body. But until then, we've all got a job to do. And and, and if we're not not fully living into that, then we're not doing our job. Things aren't getting any better in this area. And if we don't stand up and do something... It's just not, it's not going to do anything but get worse. And I agree wholeheartedly with you. If we don't do something now, we're leaving the kids that are coming up now in worse situation than what we had. And our children deserve better than that. They just do. They deserve. And we as parents, we love them and we want them to have better. Um, but it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a lot of effort and a lot of fighting. And it's going to take fighting together because nobody can fix these problems alone. It's going to take us waking up 
and fighting the left and fighting the liberals because uh, the loony liberals have they have drank the Kool Aid and they are not they are not spitting it out at all. I mean, it is really it's really disconcerting to see the amount of people who who just don't believe in hard work and who believe that oh everything is free and universal health care for all. Nothing is free. Somebody pays for it. And if you're not having to pay for it, then that means you're using somebody else who's had to. And that's not right. That's not what America's been built on. Where can the people of District 13 find you? Well, people of District 13 can find me. I have a website, electcharliewaits.org. But they can find me best at either my law office downtown or giving me a call. My phone number is 205-388-1507. My law office is directly across the back parking lot from Johnny Brusco's Pizza. Right now, I guess to find me, they're going to have to try to catch me on the campaign trail, see if they can catch my truck or catch me door to door. A few dogs have tried to take me down. They failed, but I'm still going, and uh, I thank, thank goodness for the nice people who've uh, who've talked to me along the way but probably on the phone is the best place they can catch me i'll take take all questions just if you ask a tough question give me a few seconds to answer i've been asked things in the last two months that i didn't know could exist so be patient charlie i appreciate you sir hey i appreciate it big thanks to charlie waits for inviting us into his house and for the conversation you can find Charlie at his law office in Jasper or on Facebook at Elect Charlie Waits for House District 13 Facebook page. If you are new to the show and like what you hear, hit that like, subscribe, or follow button and download the episodes in our archives. If this show has been a positive addition to your life, please rate the show and leave a review. won't take you but a minute and it really would help the show. Find us on social media by typing Porch Matters Podcast into the search bar. Word of mouth is still the best way of sharing. Pick your favorite episode and share it with at least one person this week. There are a lot of people out there that have never heard of a podcast before. I sure would appreciate it. And I'll see you next time right here on Porch Matters. Porch Matters.